Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sophie, and this is She's All Fat, the podcast for fat positivity, radical self-love, and chill vibes only. In this episode, I talk with friend of the pod, Whitney Catalano, about how the pandemic, quarantine, and general worldly upheaval can have repercussions for anyone who's felt pressure to change the way they've eaten in the past. Also, we have a new logo for this season by the talented Hannah Sanger. April is fully ensconced in her writing career and not heading back to SAF land, and our old logo was me and April, and that was the first three seasons of the pod. It was just our friendship out there for y'all to see and hear. We are so proud of what we made, and I'm proud to be continuing the work April and I did together. So now that the pod is just Sophie on the streets, I wanted to have a logo that represented the family and the cozy vibe that we have here. You can still see our old logo on the site, and whenever we promo April stuff, you'll see some throwbacks, don't worry, but I hope you like our new logo, and um, make sure to follow Hannah. We'll link her in the show notes and on our social. But first, it's time for our SAF book club. Every week this season, we'll be reading a chapter of Fearing the Black Body, The Racial Origins of Fat Phobia by Sabrina Strings as a team, and we want the fat family to do the same. Last week, your job was to get the book from a Black-owned bookstore. We linked to a list of those in the show notes, and there's another link in this week's show notes. And this week, we're reading chapter one, Being Venus. So read, highlight, dog ear, message us with your thoughts and questions. We'll put some reading questions in the show notes and meet you back here next week to discuss. Some quick content notes. We recorded this interview before the police murder of George Floyd and successive Black Lives Matter protests asking for justice for Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the other Black lives taken by police. Make sure to listen for our call to action at the end of the app to do your part to counter anti-Black violence. In this episode, we'll be discussing some specifics of resurfacing disordered eating and thoughts, and mine in particular. And if that sounds like it might be too hard to hear, then don't listen. Please take care of yourself. Also, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying all fat people struggle with disordered eating or anything like that. This is just an episode born out of my own experience. And those of you who have dieted in the past might relate to some of it. It was hard for me to listen back to this interview when we were putting the episode together. Before COVID reached the U.S. in a big way, we had already recorded a few interviews for what we thought was going to be season five of She's All Fat. 
We put those episodes on hold to make these episodes. We thought it was important to make content relevant to the moment. But only a month later, this interview feels a little bit specific to the exact time it was recorded. And there's a couple moments in here that I cringe at because it's shameful to me that I wasn't signing petitions and donating and reading anti-racist books every day then. It also feels like at this point, we've reached a kind of quarantine fatigue as a nation. The more mundane parts of quarantining feel pretty normal now, but with the future so uncertain, we might be heading back into further lockdowns this summer. I think that we're not done experiencing the big life changes that inspired this episode, and that might mean some diet pressure or ED thoughts resurfacing for some of us. I hope that this episode can give you some tools to stay kind to yourself through change, and remember to join us after the interview for our anti-racist actions. All right, we're here. We're back with friend of the pod, Whitney Catalano, big fan of Whitney here um, in many arenas. And for anyone new tuning in, can you talk about your work slash connection to fat justice slash what you are working on outside of the pod right now? Yeah, so I'm Whitney Catalano. I'm a registered dietitian. I um, have been working in food freedom and body image healing and just like self-acceptance overarching for, you know, two or three years now and got really into fat activism and fat liberation. And I'm also expanding into success and leadership coaching and helping people with overworking and burnout and feeling like you have to earn your worth in all these different ways. And so that's kind of the overall theme that I got going on is, you know, you don't need to keep earning acceptance and love like you are so perfect exactly as you are. I want to move on to the meat of it. The meat of it. Okay, so here in the meat of it, we're going to be talking about uh, food stuff in general. So, as you said, you have you're a dietitian, um, which I still think most much of our much of our audience and me always forget the difference between a dietitian and nutritionist. Honestly, can you like refresh <laughs> us on that? Yeah, dietitian has credentials. Nutritionist is anyone on the internet. <laughs> okay, really good for people to know. So um, we are, which doesn't mean that all dietitians are good, by the oh, way. But like, not. it is helpful to know that like some people have more uh, background than others, probably. Um, so I, it's been interesting. Like, I thought of doing this episode back when the pandemic first started happening, we're now like two months into it, which is really wild to realize. Um, And by the time this comes out, we'll be three or three and a half months into it. Um, So the first couple weeks, especially, I had a really hard time with my eating stuff. This is like also, this is obviously going to be content warnings like in the description, but here's another content warning for like description of resurgence of ED thoughts or behaviors. Um, And I found that I had a lot of like, uh, I had trouble being hungry. Like I wasn't hungry and then I was really hungry. Like I just, my emotional states felt like they were influencing my like hunger so much in a way that hadn't happened in a long time. Like I'm, as a chronically ill person, I'm really used to like not feeling hungry because I feel queasy or whatever. And then I know how to like deal with that where like I know the paths I can take to be like, okay, blah, blah, I have to do this and then I have to do that. And so that doesn't like derail my day too much. 
But just being not hungry because I was so like in shock was really new for me. (laughs) And then the only way I could like I was disgusted by food for like a week. And the way that I could the only way I could eat was like to get high. I would just get high so that I could eat because that was the only way I could eat. And then I would be because I hadn't eaten all day. I was eating a lot when I was finally hungry, when I finally could feel my body being like, oh, you're hungry. Plus, like weed makes you feel more hungry sometimes. And then I was eating a lot because I was only eating one meal a day. And it felt very reminiscent of like old binging behaviors, even though that wasn't what I was doing. You know, it was like it just felt very reminiscent. And for me, I was like. I actually felt really proud of myself because even though these behaviors were happening and cropping up and I felt very uncomfortable about them, I'm in a place with my recovery and like emotional relationship to food that I was able to be like, okay, we're just going to see how this pans out. I'm not going to punish myself about this. I'm just going to let myself eat how I need to eat right now and like have faith that it'll even out a little bit. And it has evened out a little bit, but I'm definitely not the only one that that happened to. I saw like a lot of people on Twitter talking about the same thing. And I don't know. I just I would I did not expect that to happen. It seems like pretty obvious, I guess, but I just didn't expect like grief and shock to make me to affect me that way. Usually when I'm stressed out, I feel like I eat more. Yeah. So um, what we see in the research is that with emotional eating or stress-induced eating, um, people who have a history of dieting have a predisposition or are more likely to eat in response to stress. And I think that that can be fluid. I don't think that that's like a set thing because I don't eat really when I'm stressed anymore, but I've also been in recovery from disordered dieting for, you know, three years. And, you know, I I know you've been working on your relationship with food for a while. And so I'm not surprised that you were feeling overwhelmed and shut down and food was not, you know, cortisol, when our cortisol levels are that high and we go into a state of freeze um, and as part of our fight, flight, fawn or freeze response, the digestive tract stops working very well. Like our hunger and fullness signals are muted. The body's reacting as if we are literally running from a predator or we're in danger because that's what it feels like that we're in danger. And so hunger and eating are not that helpful. They're not that necessary if we're trying to escape immediate danger. And so that's makes sense. That is a good way to think about it. Yeah. I, I had to do a lot like I feel like it's only now that I'm starting to be able to like process through how awful those first couple weeks were and how much like emotional stuff I felt in my body. I definitely noticed people DMing me a lot, people on Twitter a lot, like just talking about all of these feelings of overwhelm. I definitely felt it. My friends definitely felt it. I think we all were kind of like you know, every day was a little bit of a gamble. And I think still every day is a little bit of a gamble, but it's getting easier. I think I'm just getting used to it. Like, (laughs) I don't know that it's better. It's just that, well, number one, I'm having the first couple of weeks, I felt like I was dissociating like half the time. Like it just was like so intense. And, uh, And it was wild because so much of it was just fear and things being out of my control because like nothing exactly was happening to me, you know, like I already work from home. Um, my mom and sister and dad were fine. Like, 
it just was like the world, the world and like my place in the world and like fear for my friends and family and fear about getting sick, fear about, you know, all the things that are scary about this, like fear about going to the hospital as a fat person and not being paid attention to. I got a lot of those emails. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Including because, you know, most of the people who work for me um, part time or help me with various things um, are, were old clients because they just like what I do. They already have a passion for whatever, you know, copywriting or, you know, VA work or whatever it is. And so, um, they end up, you know, we end up working together, which is awesome. Um, but I definitely got a few emails from people who are working for me or people who I've worked with in the past, just being like, you know, I'm fine with food right now. Like surprisingly, it's not affecting me that badly, but I'm terrified of getting, COVID because I don't want to go to the hospital. And, you know, thank God for Christy Harrison's article about, you know, the truth around. Yes. We'll put that in the the links here. But if people haven't seen it, Christy Harrison, who is an amazing, also dietitian, she has like a great podcast and a book I think she just came out with. And she's, I've been on her podcast. April was on her podcast. Uh, She's amazing. And she was pushing back a lot. And against the um stuff that was coming out where people were saying like oh if you're fat then you have a higher risk of getting covid or you have a higher risk of having complications or whatever and i appreciate her not only because she's so like um staunch about that stuff but because she is like a thin white lady then like other thins listen to her (laughs) a lot more And sometimes I like go look in her comments and see her like responding gently to people. And I'm like, dang, she's doing a lot of work. Um, But I do like it is interesting to see how different people have responded differently to this stuff. Do you think that in general, like I wonder how people who just experience dieting and not necessarily disordered eating, whether or not you think – dieting itself is disordered (laughs) you know what I mean like maybe people who just listen to this podcast too um did a lot of diets but didn't feel that it crossed the line into disordered eating stuff yeah I think that if you have a history of dieting whether or not you consider it to have gotten to that disordered place if to whatever degree that history of dieting has er eroded your self-trust or was an outlet for control or a way to sort of um, change how others might perceive you or think about you, then it's on some levels a coping mechanism. So one of the things that I talk about a lot is you know, the resurgence of coping mechanisms when all of this happened, there's a lot of chaos, there's a lot of uncertainty. And our brains like really, really, really don't like that. <laughs> um, our brains really like to feel safe. They really like to, you know, which which works against us a lot of the times, because even though it's protecting us, it also keeps us from making meaningful changes in our life, which, you know, so if you have resistance to change, like welcome to the club, you know, yeah. just being a human. Um, but when something this big and chaotic happens, of course, the instinct and we're all on social media and we're all inside and I was talking about the quarantine 15 and like posting their whatever. Oh, sorry. You can bleep me. Bleep no, the number, but, fine. Um, you know, everyone's talking about this stuff. So of course the instinct is going to be like, oh my gosh, what are people going to think about my body after the quarantine? Or, oh my gosh, I need to like get control over my eating or something because that was a learned coping mechanism that you use to get control when you, you know, were dieting. Yeah. That's something that I think I texted you about this actually, or we messaged about it just that like, 
Um, some of the posts, I have them saved, I think. I'll put the link in the show notes for this. But some of the posts that I've seen in the past on Instagram that really affected my mindset about um, like past ED stuff was like the posts that were like, how about you tell your inner child like good job finding a coping mechanism that helped with your emotions at the time instead of like wishing like, oh, I wish I hadn't done that or I wish I'd never started doing that or whatever, changing that story to be like, wow, like little me was so like hand was handling things the way that they could figure out how to do. Like that's what they could use to figure out their emotions, you know? And so like changing that mindset really helped me be like, oh, my body needs to do this right now. Okay. You know? Yeah. Like your body has been fiercely trying to protect you since the day you were born. That's the whole thing. That's literally its entire job is to protect you. And a lot of the times we're either fighting our bodies or we're over identifying with our bodies when in reality, like there's you and there's your body. And then there's like the other voices that live in your head, like diet culture voice and like, you know, shame, bully voice and whatever. So at the end of the day, we need to realize that if you're young and you don't know how to talk about your feelings, especially if you grow up in a household where your parents don't know how to talk about their feelings and maybe brush yours aside or, you know, you have signs of your parents being emotionally immature, which a lot are just because mental health and, you know, working on your stuff was not like still not. Uh, it's more common you know, but it's not like, it's not great. So yeah, of course you learn to cope with food or cope with control or whatever. It's like so human of us to do that. Okay. So, um, if people are experiencing some anxiety or resurgence of ED behaviors or thoughts or diet behaviors, or just kind of disturbance around food, during COVID, do you have some tips that people can can take away from this um, to be kinder to themselves or to help them notice their thoughts around their behavior or something like that? Yeah. I mean, for starters, don't make it mean anything, right? You could have a resurgence of coping mechanisms or old thoughts and behaviors, and it doesn't matter. Like, it, it, that's not the problem. The problem is when you layer on guilt and shame, oh my gosh, I'm backsliding. Oh my gosh, why is this happening? You make it mean something as if thoughts are truth. Your thoughts are not truth. They're just thoughts. It's just your brain trying to make sense of everything. So let the thoughts come and go and let them pass by and try not to act on it. Um, and just give yourself a break. Like this is hard. It's so understandable that these things are coming up right now. And, you know, you'd be a superhuman to not have stuff come up during such a chaotic time. So like, you know, you're not abnormal. You're not taking steps backwards. It's just, that's just not, not the truth. It's just the way that things are happening right now. Yeah. Um, I think the, if people go to Whitney's Instagram page and look at your highlight called anxiety, there's some good journaling tips in there that might be helpful for some of the thoughts cropping up around eating right now. Um, I also think that like uh, I found myself being triggered a little bit by the shortage of different kinds of food. Um, mm -hmm. Like definitely I have like some of my former binging was rooted in like, you know, like fearing I wouldn't have some food in the future or something like that. Um, do you have any thoughts on how people can – like think about that or work on that fear or like dealing with the way that 
right now we don't know what foods are definitely going to be in the store and which aren't? Yeah. I mean, for starters, um, it'll be helpful to remove attachment to the things that you want to make. So I've definitely had, you know, meal ideas and stuff come up and I'm so excited because, you know, again, I'm feeling uninspired. So if I, I get an idea for something, it's like big day, you know, and then I can't find the stuff. And it's really, really important to stay unattached to whether or not you're going to find the stuff. Go into, remember that you are abundantly resourceful, right? And the only way that we can be resourceful, really problem solve like humans do so well is when we're not in fight or flight. It's really hard to problem solve if we're in a stress response. So the first step is reminding yourself like, okay, you are still safe. There's so much other food. Just because it's not what you had in mind doesn't mean that there isn't food available. Okay. So you are totally safe and like it's possible to get food. The second thing is that when you calm down, you can really turn on that resourcefulness, be like, I'm so resourceful, I can figure this out and start to put together, like maybe you'll be at the store, maybe you'll, you know, if you order your groceries, like you'll be, you'll think of something else, you'll get creative, you'll look around and and try something new. Like there's always options, there's always workarounds. And if anything, I know that um, the canned, like canned food drives and uh, food banks and stuff are really active right now if money is, you know, a really big concern there's always ways to get what you need, but you have to shift into resourcefulness and out of fight or flight as much as possible so that you can really like look around at what resources you have available and utilize them. Um, even if it's not convenient, even if it's, you know, highly stressful and takes a lot out of your day, like you're a human being, your literal whole goal is to survive. You got this, you know, like you'll figure it out. We always do. So Dude, shifting out of fight or flight has been so hard. Like shifting – I mean that's normally a hard thing for me. I – as someone with an anxiety disorder and like panic disorder, like I get – I get fight or flight a lot. I freeze constantly. Like that's a big thing I work on. And like it was so much. It was so intense. Like usually it's like, okay, I have – I have my breathing exercises. I know I can exercise. I have like all these tools to help with with fight, flight, freeze stuff um, that I when I notice them happening in my body, I can use one of those tools to calm down a little bit and then I can kind of work more harmoniously between my mind and my body. But it was so intense the first couple weeks of this and still sometimes now I was so extremely uncomfortable and stuck in freeze that I had to ask my doctor for a prescription for some like extra like anxiety management meds because I simply could not get my body out of intense like revved up mode like and it was so uncomfortable I'm sure other people have been experiencing that as well too yeah yeah it is uncomfortable I think part of the the thing to work on that will always help you like long-term to not feel so, um, not get stuck in freeze for so long is working on your tolerance for discomfort. So this is also something I talk a lot. This takes time. Okay. I've been working on my tolerance for discomfort for like four years, you know, and I still, it's, it's still a work in progress. Um, but what I mean by that is like when you're uncomfortable, when you're having a really bad day, you're getting in your head and all of the anxiety that's in your body is getting trapped in your head as thoughts and stories. 
to allow yourself to be in it without trying to fix it or soothe it or get out of it. Just allow yourself to be in it and, you know, take advantage of those days when you're in freeze mode, like watch some good movies or whatever. Like don't also add that layer of, oh, I I should be doing something. Why is this happening again? Like I just had a bad day yesterday, like all this stuff. Try to work around it as much as possible. That, of course, is a very privileged thing to say because if you're working every day or if you are, you know, panicking about finances and stuff, like it's going to be different for everyone. But being able to tolerate discomfort um, is something that can be an ongoing thing to work on just because it does allow us to a bigger window of stress before we go into freeze. And then the other thing is dancing (laughs) is really, really good for freeze. So TikTok dances, like I'm convinced that's why TikTok has like gotten so big. Yes, it's because it's like a fun new social media platform, but I think the premise of dancing and their short dances and, you know, whatever, it's just like a fun app. It's a fun app or it's a fun social media platform, more fun than, you know, the other social media platforms in terms of just like joy and creativity and moving your body. And I really do think that that's become like a coping mechanism for people is like going on TikTok and learning a dance. And if that works for you, if you want to dance around your kitchen or whatever, like that is an option. If you can't even get off the couch, then like do a little wiggle on the couch, you know, like <laughs> get that's it out so of your cute. body. <laughs> I love that. I love that idea. I also above all just want people to hear that they're not alone in struggling with this stuff. There's a lot of people who are dealing with all of these things. And if you've had like a lot of self-punishing thoughts or a lot of diet thoughts or a lot of ED thoughts, like you're not alone by far. Like a lot of people have dealt with this right now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Okay. We have some listener questions. I really like this first one. It is, what are some ways that families and roommates can offer support to folks who have previous or current ED behaviors right now? Mm, Family or roommates. This is tricky because (laughs) it depends what your family and roommates. I, I would assume that the person asking this either I think it's like I think it's in the situation where your roommate you're like close with the person and they've shared with you what's going on and they're like I I would welcome support like this is not a situation where someone is like not cognizant of their behaviors yet or like you know has a bad relationship with their family or whatever like if this is someone you're close to who is having trouble right now how can you offer them support yeah I mean first and foremost like never ever telling them something that they should 
do, right? Like should is the worst thing that you can do for something, someone in freeze. And it happens all the time. Why aren't you just, just work harder. Just do like, just get up, just go work out, just go make, like, what are you doing? You know, it, that it's like, oh, thanks. I haven't been sitting here yelling that at myself for every day. Right. Like I didn't think of it. Thank you for your <laughs> advice. Right. Um, right. Never telling someone they should do something. Always asking, you know, I think starting by asking, Hey, are you good? Like, I'm struggling right now. Are you, do you want to talk about it? Like, what do you need? Can I help you? Just connecting in that way on a human to human level and not never assuming what someone else, I think the biggest thing when we try to help, especially like people pleasers and, and natural helpers and healers, like we, when we try to help someone, it's easy to like want to read their minds, anticipate what that they're going to need. So to make it easier on them, because we think that like asking is going to be a burden when in reality, a lot of the things that we end up doing from that mindset end up like creating more stress for the other person. Yeah. So all you got to do is ask, what do you need? And be open to whatever the answer is. I also think if you're not someone who has ever experienced ED stuff, then you may not be aware that some things you might say could be triggering. Um, like, for example, I found myself triggered recently by Victor saying, like, oh, we have to finish this thing before we can make the next thing. Like, which for him came from he was like, oh, we need to finish this leftover. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't adding – he wa he wasn't adding morality to it at all. But my ED brain heard, like, okay, I have to eat it. You know, like, it got, like, really – I was like, I don't want to, but I have to. And then I was like, wait, no, I don't have to do that. And I was like, I don't actually want to eat it. And, like, that's kind of triggering for me. And he was like, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. So, like, just being, like, very open with – with your loved one that like, hey, you can always tell me if something I said triggered you. Like, it's not going to hurt my feelings. Like, I want to know how to better support you. Like, it's important. It was important in our relationship that I, I'm able to always tell Victor that and also know that he's not trying to control me or to like activate those things just sometimes mistakenly happens. Okay, next question. Can you talk about the relationship between ED behavior slash thoughts and feelings of anxiety about going food shopping because of COVID? Are there things that we can do to better navigate that? For example, how to go to the grocery store and manage feelings of panic that might surface or bring back negative feelings towards food and eating? Mm, that's a good question. I get it. The grocery stores are <laughs> super triggering um, to be in. It's just kind of like remembering that you just got to get in and out. It's not, nothing changed. Your safety didn't change. When you drove or walked or however you got to the store, took a bus, whatever, to the store, you may have been feeling a little bit of panic about the fact that you're going to the store, but ultimately like you were safe in these moments. Walking into the store, even though it kind of feels like the apocalypse when you walk into the store and see everyone in their masks and it's all empty and it's just a weird energy, um, walking into the store, your safety has not changed. It's just your brain into like taking in all the new information, all the people in the masks and freaking out about it and all the lack of food or whatever it is. Um, but your safety is still like, you're still safe. You've been safe the whole time. And even though it can feel easy to be like, well, but what about COVID and like, you know, encountering all these people and stuff, like you are doing your best. We can't really know. And all you gotta do is take the necessary precautions that you already know that you need to take and get in and get out. Just. Yeah. Get it over with. It's a hard place for all this stuff because it is like already a place for a lot of us that is a stressful place. 
Um, and then to have everyone else there acting like they're really stressed out validates that and like exacerbates it. Like I usually when I go to the grocery store, I feel really anxious and I spend a lot of time being like, it's just a feeling like look around. Everyone's normal. Like it's fine. You're not in danger here. And having that not be a go to thing I can do was like very scary. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think, you know, one of the things that can help, especially if you're a creative person listening to this, which I imagine a lot of the pod listeners are pretty creative because I don't know, you attract those people. Um, Treat this kind of like research for whatever, you know, sci-fi or, you know, end of the world novel or TV show or, you know, short that you want to create, even if you're not actually ever going to write like a, you know, an apocalypse novel, you can almost treat it like that. You know, putting yourself in the grocery store at this time, this is something that you will hold, remember for the rest of your life and be able to tell people who weren't, you know, kids, grandkids, whatever, like people that you know, who weren't alive or weren't really cognizant during this time, um, about this experience. And it's something that like, you're, you're never going to forget. So there's a certain degree of novelty to it that I think can help where yes, it feels really scary. And it feels like dangerous right now. But also, it's kind of fascinating to be existing in this time. Because, you know, when you take off the fear of surviving, and you just look around like this is bonkers, like <laughs> what we're experiencing is like, absolutely wild. So if you can find even a little bit of novelty to it, or a little bit of like, wow, I never thought that this would be my reality, that might help. I've also found related to the grocery store that like um, like even having the food come in the house and then having to wipe down the boxes of food, you know, with like Lysol wipes or whatever makes the food feel kind of scary. And that's definitely added to ED feelings as well. And that's like not good. <laughs> so when it's helped me to have Victor be like, um, hey, like, we're just going to do the best we can. We're going to – we know that wiping down with Lysol helps. We're going to do that, and then we're not going to think about it because we can't, like – we can't see it. We can't control every little aspect of it, and we have to move on. But I just want to say, again, for other people listening that, like, that fear is really valid. Like, it feels very, very, very scary, especially if you're someone like me who does have autoimmune stuff and, like, is very afraid of getting – the virus it's more that it's like gone gotten out of my head a little bit more the last couple of weeks just because time moves on yeah but anytime I think about it I'm just as terrified you know um but just anyone listening if any of this resonates with you like just know that like we're here with you and there's a lot of resources out there for you and even just talking about it with friends even friends who haven't who aren't big like body talk people, you know, who don't normally talk about this stuff. They've also been like, yeah, that's happening to me. So everyone else is experiencing a similar thing. And we're glad you're here. We're glad you're part of the family. And we're proud of you for like working hard on whatever you're working on through this. Yeah. You can find Whitney at her website, WhitneyCatalano.com, and on Instagram and on Twitter at Whitney Catalano. Um, you should listen to her podcast, which is amazing. We'll link it into the show notes. You can also listen to a conversation Whitney and I had in the season four premiere, which is an episode called Fat Changes. So Whitney, can you just wrap up by saying one thing that you would like the family to do for themselves this week? One thing. Um... 
find a way to have fun. I feel like that's the thing that we're not like our sources of fulfillment have been kind of taken from us. And if you can find any way to have fun, get in the sun, dance around in your, you know, place, just let yourself have a little joy and laughter. I don't care how or why, or, you know, what you do. Um, it will help significantly. Fun is really important. (laughs) What are you going to do for fun? What am I going to do for fun? Well, I am in the middle of a launch. So as soon as all of the work is done for the launch and the cart's open and I have nothing left to do except, you know, sit and see how it goes, um, I am going to pop some champagne. I am going, this doesn't sound fun, but it is. I'm going to um, clean off my balcony and like put a different chair out there because I hate sitting out there right now. And I'm just going to make my space and I'll pamper myself a little bit, you know? Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. All right. Thank you for being on the pod, Whitney. We love you. We appreciate you. Oh, thanks. Bye. And that's our show. Producing SAF in COVID times is made possible by our beloved patrons. Special thanks to Brianna Gaskins, Kalina, Melanie Cassidy, Bridget Laborie, Genesee, Robin Rossigno, Rachel M., Ann Friedman. Hi, Ann. Grace Lynch, Haley Keaton, and Holly Ingeman. Thank you all so much. We could not make this pod without you. Last week, with your help, we raised just about $1,500 for the National Bailout Fund. Woohoo! This week, your action item is to listen to Black Trans Women. From Transgender Variant and Intersex Justice Project, quote, Black trans women experience violence, trauma, and deep losses across our community every single day. We know what we need to survive, to thrive, and to create the world we're all fighting for. It is time to invest not only in the solutions, but the actual people that have shaped and sharpened the solutions we need based on our lived experiences. We are capable and competent enough to take care of our own. We just need the resources to do so, end quote. We're going to link to this longer statement in response to the murder of Malaysia Booker. In the statement, TGIJP, which is the org we just mentioned, gives a long, full list of actions you can take to show up for Black trans lives. We're also going to link to a webinar on state and gender violence in Black communities. Watch it. It's about an hour long. You can break it up into 20-minute pieces if that's easier. Um, And DM us when you start it to hold yourself accountable and we'll say, yay, good job. Follow TGIJP Justice on Instagram. We've linked them in the show notes. Um, Post about them in your story and tag us so we can repost you. She's All Fat was created by me, Sophie Carter-Khan and April Kekwio, who graduated. We are an independent production. If you'd like to support the work we do, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash she's all fat pod. When you pledge to be a supporter, you'll get all sorts of goodies and extra content please make sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's super important in making sure people find the show so we can grow the family. Our ads are done in partnership with Acast. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, you can get started at acast.com or send us an email. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to the stuff we mentioned today. And don't forget to send us your questions via email or voice recording to fyi at she'sallfatpod.com. Our theme music was composed and produced by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Our website was designed by Jesse Fish. And our logo is by Hannah Sanger. Layla Oweda is our brand new editor. 
Lynn Barbera and Yelly Cruz produced this episode. Our thin crony forever is Maria Bortel. I am our host and co-producer. Our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter handles are at She's All Fat Pod. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Stay safe out there. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.